Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Similar theme. We are jumping into a brand new series right now for the month of February. This series is called The Greatest Stories Ever Told. The Greatest Stories Ever Told. The, the scripture is full from beginning to end of incredible stories. Throughout all human history, we've interacted with one another and we've learned through this process of story being told. When we hear a story, we see ourselves and find ourselves in that story. Not only do we connect around story, but we also learn from the steps and the missteps of the characters in that story. There's a a classic piece of literature called Aesop's Fables. Aesop's Fables told and retold and reformed into all sorts of different fairy tales and portions of stories that exist today that are told in novels, that are shared in movies. Powerful stories because they share uh, moral truths or they share kind of the realities of interacting with one another. There's a story of a bundle of sticks. Uh, A man is about to die. Before he dies, he calls his sons together. He says, take this bundle of sticks and try to break it. The older tries to break it and he can't. The younger tries to break it and he can't. The father takes the bundle of sticks and pulls them apart one by one and each one of them can be broken. The moral of the story is unity brings strength. There's a story of two roosters. I I like this one. The story of two roosters fighting over who is the top cock of the farm. That's what the story says. I'm just going there. The story goes this. They fought it out. The winning rooster, in all of his excitement, climbs up on the top of a fence to show everyone how powerful he is. The, The losing rooster makes his way into a cave, realizing he hasn't won. Then an eagle swoops down and destroys the winning rooster. The moral of the story is often found in scripture as well. Pride comes before fall. Don't don't just live on on, on little victories and, and live on the old victories of your past. Be aware. Don't be foolish when you think that you have arrived. You probably still have a long way to go. You know, Jesus is known most notably in the way he interacted with people through the form of story. Jesus didn't deliver information and describe information. He delivered inspiration through story. Different people have, have kind of counted and recounted and, and, and relisted the stories of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, and tried to say, well, there's this many or that many. Some say there's 30 to 40 different parables. Others say, well, that one's so similar to that one, they're probably kind of the same story. Some would say the list is as, as big as 60. I think it's about 46 different parables that Jesus tells. You say, a parable, what's a parable? Great question. A parable, the word literally means this, to take two things and place them beside one another. Here's what a parable is. Uh, Let me tell you a story, and then let me place beside that story what I'm really trying to tell you, and let you draw some conclusions through the comparisons. So Jesus would start a story like this. The kingdom of God is like, and then he would go on to fill in that blank. So I want want you to kind of get a grasp or see an angle or get a little 
picture, a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is like. How crazy it would have been if Jesus said, get out your notebooks, I'm going to tell you everything you ever need to know about the kingdom of God. Don't miss any notes, there will be a test. It would be impossible to digest that information. There are things out of our understanding. In fact, even the word eternity means time out of mind. Means the type of time that makes no sense to us. How many people have ever freaked yourself out trying to think about eternity? Is it just me? You laid awake at night saying, I can kind of picture that way, but that way, what? Jesus couldn't sit down and describe in detail everything that would have been needed to know about the kingdom of God, so instead he told stories. And then with his closest friends, he came and he said, did you understand that story? And often they're like, I, yeah, but... Why don't you say it again? Because I don't think John understood it. <laughs> like maybe on, on James's behalf, if you could just give a little more detail. I understood it, of course. But Jesus would take what was a simple story and then add complexity and add more detail to those who were hungry to ask. Jesus often ended his stories with this. Let the one who has ears hear. He's like, I'm going to keep on telling stories. Let the one who has ears here. You know what I love about stories is not only do they help us remember something, they also give us the ability to retell something. You with me? See, my, my kids around the dinner table, they tell, they tell stories, stories about their day, stories about their interactions with, with teachers and classmates, stories uh, sometimes that take on a very imaginary flair. You know, like, like they're at school and then all of a sudden there's there's dragons there. And, you know, there, there is some license to tell a great story. One thing that's amazing to me is when one of my kids is telling a story on behalf of another one. Dad, you got to hear what happened today. And it has nothing to do with them. They just love being able to be the one to tell the story. And so there they are. You see them, like, like when I say them, it's usually one of the younger ones. There they are standing in front of the other one saying, so, Dad, then what happened? What was it again? What was it again? Yeah, then what happened was the teacher said, everyone be quiet. And then, so then was everyone quiet? Yeah. And then everyone except for one person got quiet, and their name was Bradley. (laughs) You know? And they just love retelling someone else's story. You ever been there? You ever been there? You're like, whoa, you got to hear this great story, and you weren't there. But by the time it gets through you, man, that story is, is more vibrant than it's ever been before. You're telling it with, like, hand actions, and you're setting the scene. There's something about a story being told really well. You ever heard the person who tells a story poorly? Right? They're telling a story, and you're like, man, I, I lost you. Have you ever had someone set you up this way? Oh, man, I got the greatest story for you. And all of a sudden, your anticipation just goes way up. You're like, the greatest? Actually the greatest story? Oh, this is going to be good because I've heard some great stories. You know, I've heard the one of the three pigs, and I've heard the one of the three bears. What is it with threes and storytelling? It's interesting, isn't it? I, I once got a text message. Oh, man, I've got the greatest story for you. And I looked at it, and I was like super excited and super confused because I had no idea who it was. Not wanting to miss out on the content of the story, I just said, I'm so excited to hear it. They answered back, okay, here's what happened. 
And then there was the dot, dot, dot for a little while. So I'm like, oh, man, this story is going to be so good. I'm like, who is this? What's this story about? While the dot, dot, dot was just, you know, pulsating in the corner, I thought, I'm going to search this number, see if I can find out who it is. The number was from New Brunswick. I thought, I don't have a friend from New Brunswick. But this story must be good. The dot, dot, dot continued, then stopped. Ah, I hate it when that happens. You see, why, why do I, hey, I'm, I'm creating my own story. What do you think might have happened right now? Why do you think it started and then stopped? And then the, the, the comment came, oops, wrong number. I thought you were one of my coworkers. And I'm like, I can be one of your coworkers. Like, don't leave me hanging like that. The other day I was in a coffee shop and, uh, and I, I saw these two couples sitting together and these two couples were interacting, talking with one another. And as they talked across the table, I couldn't help but hear the, the, the man in one of the couplets speaking to the woman in the other one. And he looked across the table and he said, have you started running? And she wasn't really sure what he meant. She said, sorry? Yeah, have you started running? She said, no, I, I don't run. He goes, well, jogging then? I'm like, bro, I think most people understand that those words are kind of synonymous. She's like, well, I don't technically run. It's like 85% speed. She's like, no, I, I, don't, I don't really enjoy running. He goes, mm, I've got an eye for these things. And then the woman with him leaned on him. She's like, he really does. He really does. He goes, I think you started running because your jawline is a little, little sharper than the last time I, I saw you. Looks like you can, you know, your, your neck is just a little thinner. I'm like, this, I, one, this is a really weird interaction. Two, I have to hear how it ends. <laughs> so I pretended as though I was sending a message to someone and just got a little bit closer. Really intent in my face, okay? He goes, so seriously, like, you haven't, you haven't started running, working out, anything? Huh, interesting. Because that's usually the first place that it goes. I'm thinking to myself, just keep digging, buddy. The, the partner of the woman who was on trial now, he tried to delicately change the subject. He's like, man, I just really, it was great, great to spend some time together, you guys. We've been wanting to do this for a while. The first man interrupts again. He goes, oh, sorry. So are you really, like, stressed out about something? He's like, because that would be another reason to kind of give reason to why, you know, the cheekbones. Because often when people are stressed, they lose a little weight. I'm like, bro, just keep digging that hole. This is a great story that's being told. She, she's like giggling. She's like, no, I'm not, <laughs> not really that stressed. <laughs> she's probably thinking like, I am now. Amazingly, the, the, the partner of this inquisitive man with the magical eyes for weight loss, she was just so into it. She's like, he's really good at this stuff. It's like his hidden skill, finding out the reason why your neck is not as fat as it once was. Again, they're put down. Again, the, the, the husband or, or, or boyfriend, he's got his arm now around her, comforting her like, it's okay, honey. This will end soon. He tries to change the subject again for a third time now. Interrupted again. The guy goes, well, it must just be, just be the natural aging process then. 
And I was like, yep, I'm out. There we go. Story finished. Unbelievable. Just keep digging. Today I want to share a message with you entitled, Keep Digging. Keep Digging. Keep Digging. Jesus tells story for a reason. Jesus positions really simple stories to help us understand complex realities. If you have your your Bible with you, turn over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. I apologize that I don't have uh, scriptures up on the screen today. It's my preference to do so. And uh, today with the snow, I was just a little bit slower, you know, to shovel it and de-ice everything. find my parka. Matthew chapter 7, if you could turn there with me. Matthew chapter 7 down to to verse 24. Jesus was a great teacher. He was a great preacher. You know, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8, it speaks about preachers. It says they didn't just read the law. They they made sense and gave meaning to the words so that it could be understood. And I think that's the the heart and the, the goal whenever we gather together that we could put some meaning to these words that you wouldn't look at the Bible as this daunting task impossible to understand but really a digestible understandable letter of love from God to us helping us to not only know him more but to know ourselves more to understand life better and to to live up to the purpose that he has for us here we go Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 it says this therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish builder who built his house on sand. The rain came down, And the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Great little picture that Jesus is painting. It would be pretty hard not to be be putting actual visualization to these thoughts as Jesus is sharing them. He goes, here's what it's like. You're one kind of builder or the other. Either you'll put into practice what I'm talking about, and your life will sustain during hard times, or you won't, and it will have a great crash. Simple story, right? Simple story. The, the call for you and I is that we wouldn't just listen, but we would do. See, Jesus is always more, in, more impressed by or more, uh, more, puts more value on the action that we follow through on, not just the good intention. When we're listening to Jesus, there's always good intention in mind. Oh, yeah, I like this story. I know where it's going. I've already heard it. I'm with it. I'm about it. That's great. We read something in Scripture like, oh, yeah, that's good for somebody. My wife would really learn from that. Yeah, that's great for my coworker. I've got to tell my coworker that one. That would be good for them. We're good with listening to the words, but Jesus says, I'm more impressed with, and there's more value placed upon the one who doesn't just listen and do nothing with it, but the one who puts it into practice. Turn to the person beside you and say, are we talking about practice? We're talking about practice. Are we talking about practice? Talking about practice. 
Jesus says, don't just listen to me. Like you're tricking yourself if you think that's all I needed. Jesus is, I don't need a platform so you can be impressed by what I say. Like actually take these words, they are life giving. I love what uh, connection can be drawn here. That those who build their house well and those who build their house poorly both encounter hardship. Both encounter seasons of difficulty. Both know what it feels like to have the wind and the floods beat against them. I mean, far too many people who when times get tough assume that they are tough because of their own fault. They, oh, what's my problem? I thought I was living right. I thought I was doing good. And now times are tough. Now, now I've got a sinus cold at the same time as my bills are due and at the same time as I, I got a hole in my shoe and, and all these things are going wrong at the same time. Like, God, why me? We laugh when it's things as temporary as that, but sometimes things feel a lot more daunting and we say, I can't make it through this, this grief. I'm never going to see the other side. The disappointment of this opportunity that is lost, this job that's no longer mine, this relationship that isn't what I wanted it to be. I, I, I'm never going to get through this. Don't, don't, don't miss me. I think self-reflection is important, but we cannot draw the conclusion that God is trying to send us a message through the storm. God is not trying to send storms our way to prove that we should have done life better. Storms are a byproduct of being alive. There is some struggle that is real no matter who you are. You might look across the room and say, well, that person doesn't know my struggle. They don't need to. They know their struggle, and their struggle is just as real. And there are times where the floods are high and times where the floods are low, times where you feel like you're smooth sailing, but in the end, we all face troubles of many kinds. And Jesus says, when you face troubles of many kinds, don't lose heart because I've overcome the world. So the storm's coming, folks. Imagine if I got up here and I was like, here's, here's what you need to do. If you just pray this quick prayer and we'll like sprinkle some water on you, everything in your life will go great. Wouldn't that be manipulative? Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be simple? But Jesus says this, I want you to actually put into practice the things that you hear. Now, there's one thing that you will note about putting Jesus' words into practice. It's harder. It's more time-consuming. It's more humbling. I want to venture to say that the, the man who built a house with no foundation got done quicker, put in less toil and effort, and probably got complimented quicker. Where people came and said, Ooh, Bro, this is a great-looking house. I love what you've done with the veranda. Amazing. I want to venture to say that perhaps the one who built with no foundation had the audacity to build bigger, to put on a couple extra stories. They didn't need to work hard with going down deep, and so there was a lot of room on the surface to beautify. That while one was still digging, the other was painting the shutters, planting the begonias in the, in the yard and saying, yeah, I'm all done. You know, I, I think in life we spend a lot of time beautifying the exterior. We spend a lot of time trying to show everybody how good the exterior of our life is. But there is something hum uh, humbling, I was going to say humiliating, 
feels that way sometimes. But there's something humbling about having to dig down deep. It's no mistake that the word humble comes from the Latin word humus, which means the earth, the ground. If we want to live in humility, we've got to dig deep. We've got to dig beneath the surface. There's buildings going up all around us in the city that we live, and before they ever are visible uh, above the earth, there's a lot of work that goes on beneath the earth. And so they put those beautiful fences around it and those fences that promise what it might look like one day, but if you can take a little peek through the, the crack in that uh, that vinyl or that veneer, you see that there's a lot of work going on underneath the surface. There's a lot of hard digging going on. It's not the easy work. It's not the work you get praised for, but it, it's what will actually allow that building to stand the test of time. Remember one time I, I was in Mexico with some friends and we were building a house for a family there. Always kind of a funny venture because I imagine they're better at building houses than I am. Being that I've never built a house, <laughs> what I'm going to do is volunteer my time and go build a house for a person who's already built houses. It's just an amazing thing. There we were, a group of teenagers, and uh, saying, like, we've, we've come to rescue you and build you a house. Okay, so we're in this, in this super hot region in, in Mexico, and we're, we're trying to build this house. And, and so all the supplies were brought, and then there was instructions to follow. And it was like building an ultimate Lego set in the heat. And there we are, and I've got a, a group of, of, of teenagers who are like, it's hot. I'm like, yeah, it's Mexico. <laughs> right? And like, that food was too spicy. Where's the bathroom? I'm like, again, it's Mexico. <laughs> What did you think you were in for? And there we are. And so the instructions said, you know, day one, just prepare foundation. I'm a little competitive. You probably need to know that about me. Day one, they're like, it's, you think it's going to take a whole day for us to prepare foundation? Oh, no, we're going to get this foundation done by lunch. Just going to set a goal. Let's get this done. Come on. And so the troops are rallied. You know, if we can get this done quick, we're going to the beach. Like, really the real reason, right? Going on this, I'm going to go serve the needy at the beach. <laughs> there we were. We're preparing. And, and, and so first step was just clear, clear the foundation, clear the area, and then and mix cement. I was like, that's awesome. Where's the cement mixer? They're like, the, that shovel right there. That's the cement mixer. Okay, we're going to do this. So they brought, they brought cement, brought water, and, and we're all like, like – uh, passing it one to another through a line like bags of cement and buckets of water and mixing the cement. And we counted it took 46 loads of cement to finish the foundation. 46 loads of cement with a shovel and a bag and some sand and some water and then mixing it all together and then pouring it out and troweling it down. It took 46 loads of cement and we were faithful to put 45 in. It was great because after the 45th bag, we said, that's pretty good. We're almost there, and the other bag's way over there. It's getting late. It's not lunchtime anymore. It's hot, and uh, I think it's pretty good. And so the last little portion of the foundation, it was like it's the corner piece. It's not that important, right? It's just the corner. It's not going to be in the middle of their kitchen or anything. Like, it should be pretty good. And, and so someone took a little bit of dirt and kind of just kicked it over into that spot. 
And then someone else said, oh, what I'll do, I'm going to grab a few big rocks. We can kind of force them down to bring the level up. And so the last corner, it was not our best corner, but it looked good because we were able to trowel it over smoothly. And then there we were. Okay, guys, great work today. Great job today. Let's get out of the heat. Let's go eat some more spicy food. And, and we went the next morning when we came back, it, this beautiful foundation with one caved-in corner. That then meant we had to go back and dig out that whole section and rebuild it and start again. I wonder if in life we tend to cut corners. I wonder if in life we we go almost the full distance of what the Bible would ask us to do and then say, well, it looks good enough and no one's ever going to notice. And I'll just, you know, kick a little bit of dirt in it and cover it over. I'm good. Like, I don't have to actually forgive. All I need to do is, is learn how to put a smile on so people think I have forgiven, right? I might not actually have to be sacrificial in any way. All I need to do is figure out how high to raise my hands during worship. It seems like people lift their hands and stuff, so I'll just do that and get a little more passionate, and then that, that should be good enough. I don't actually you know, have to live with discipline. I just need to make sure that, that, that my, my Instagram feed reflects you know, some of my values after being edited. I wonder if sometimes we cut corners. And what Jesus is saying is the storm will come. And when it comes, you want to know you've put in the work and you kept digging. I love the way Luke tells this exact same story. He just adds this thought. He says he kept on digging until he hit the rock. I love that thought. You know, Jesus described himself that way. He said, I'm the rock. Dig down deep through all the dirt. Humble yourself. Get down through all of those layers until you hit the rock. And that's what you build your life upon what's true, not what is temporary. So Jesus says this, I value obedience over just listening. In other words, he says, actually do what I say. Let me show you another story. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I think there's a connection uh, for us between these two stories. You got Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, actually do what I say. It'll go well with you. And then Matthew chapter 21, down to verse 28. You ready? It says this, Jesus asked this question, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. The son said, I will not go. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to his other son and he said the same thing. And his answer was this, yes, sir, I will go, but he never did. Which of the two did what the father wanted? I mean, before I share what Jesus says, just think about that for a minute. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The one who said the right things or the ones who followed through and did the right things? The one who, who, who sounded right or the one who actually acted right? I mean, I think the answer is pretty clear that, that the one who actually did the thing that he was asked to do, I mean, that's the one that, that fulfilled the will of the Father. Now, if we could insert a third son, of course, the ideal scenario would be this. He said he would, and he did. 
But I find myself far more often in one of these two camps, if I'm being really honest. Far more often, I start with great intentions and have a hard time living up with them, or I start with no confidence, but by the time I'm done, I'm actually doing the thing that God asked me to do. That's probably where I find myself more often. And here Jesus answers. He continues, truly, I tell you, after they said, well, the first, of course, just like Rome threw his finger up in the front row. He's like, the first one. Come on, that's an easy question. Give me another one. Jesus said this, truly, I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But tax collectors did, and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you didn't repent and believe in him. What, a, what an interesting, pointed story. Jesus speaking to those who lived outwardly perfect lives, who knew exactly the right things to say. They knew exactly how to edit their conversation depending on who they were with, right? Exactly the appropriate words to use. To, to I, I love being around people who just speak what, what's on their mind, just speak what's on their heart. But these people, no, they edited it out. These people, they, they made sure that they, they lived and looked perfectly. And Jesus said, you know what I'm more impressed with? You know what the heart of God is more impressed with? Not the one who can like, talk a good game, but the one who actually does it. So he says, there's, there's people that you might judge, righteous people. There's people that you might be pointing at, church people. And they like collect taxes, which is, is, is really rude and, and, and immoral and illegal. They practice prostitution, which, which you have moral uh, like objection to. But you know what? They're actually making their way into relationship with God, not because they know the right things to say, but they have the bold faith to just do the things that God has asked them to do. I get this picture that when Jesus tells that story, there's a father. He hands his first son a shovel, and the son goes, no, 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 I'm good. I don't want to work but then finds himself later even down on his knees digging with his hands, working in the vineyard. Maybe he doesn't have all the right tools. And then there's the second one who he hands his shovel and he says, can you go where? Of course I will, only to ditch the shovel and miss out on the shift. You know, I think for, for each one of us, Jesus is highlighting not only is it important to me that you do what I say, but he's saying this, it's also important to me that you do what you say. Follow through on your commitments. Follow throughs on the, on the things you've said you will do. Don't be that person who can't be trusted. Follow through. For some of us today, that would be a simple, life-changing message if we said, I am going to be like that first, that first one. I made some mistakes. I don't know all the things to say. There's some people who know me. They're like, oh, not that person. But I'm going to live up to what God has asked me to do, and I'm going to follow through. And there's some people today that we ought to be stopped in our tracks saying, I, I relate to the second Son, I talk a good game, but I never quite meet that mark. See, the beautiful thing of this story, it, it depends on how you hear it. You could hear it as harsh, but I hear it as gracious. I hear it as kind. I hear it as Jesus saying this, I'm not so petty that once you say something wrong, you're dead to me. Man, there's still room for you to be the one that pleases the heart of the Father. For some, you say, man, my track record is not that impressive. There's still room for you to be the one who is the hero of this story. There's still room for you to, to be, in the end, the one that God says, that's what I'm looking for. You say, but I, I've said some terrible things to people I care about. Man, I've made some, some really bold, uh, 
cruel statements about the world around me. I, I've, I've cussed out God for being who he, I've said I would never and I won't ever and I can't ever. I've lied. I've been doubtful. I've lacked faith. I've done all these things. Hey, Amen. there's still room for you to be the person in this story that Jesus commends. And I think in this very same manner, there's room in the grace of God for those who are falling short of what they've declared they will, falling short of their promises, falling short of their oaths to actually begin to live up to them. Because that's the grace of God. He doesn't tell a story to condemn, but to give hope. Jesus is not only valuing that we do what he says. He says, I want you to do what you say you're going to do as well. Follow through. Follow through. Man, may we never be the type of people who know all the things to say but can't back it up with our actions. Now, someone here is saying, well, Pastor, backing up with actions is tough because I intended it on a Sunday, but then Monday came. Right? I intended it in a good season, but then storm came. I intended it when things were easy. Now it's not easy anymore. I intended it when there was background music, right? People singing around me. I'm like, God, I'll do anything you ask. But then he asked me to do something I didn't want to do. You know, submission is not submission until you have to do something you don't want to do. That's when it becomes submission. It's tough. It's hard. But here's, here's the, the awesome thing. God gives us grace for it. In the book of Titus, it actually says this. God's grace is what teaches us to live right. So we sometimes separate them. We think, well, either God's just going to give it to me and then I don't have to work for it. Or I'm going to have to work for it and it has nothing to do with God giving me. Here's the truth. God gives us the energy to work for it. He gives us the energy to work because of it. Not saying I've got to do more so God will love me. He loves you completely, fully, wholly in every single way. He's madly crazy in love with you. And that becomes the fuel to say I want to live a life worthy of that calling. I want to step up into all that he has for me. I want to tell you one more story. This one's real quick. The book of Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. If you're new to the Bible, that's, that's right near the very beginning. First book of the Bible. Genesis means beginnings. First book of the Bible. In this uh, particular section of Scripture, there's a man named Isaac. His dad was named Abraham. That's about all the backstory you need to know. Abraham was righteous because God gave him grace. That was it. Not because he was more impressive than anyone else. Like God just gave him grace, and he said, well, I believe it. And that really is the same way you and I interact with God. He gives us grace, and we, we believe it. Abraham, through the course of his life, was a, a, a shepherd. And so important in the ancient Near East, if you're a shepherd, you need to find water for your sheep. And so like any good shepherd, he had dug wells in strategic places. And the wells provided living water in what would have been a, a, a barren wasteland. No chance for any sheep to live without water. And so as a good shepherd, he went ahead and prepared strategic wells. Well, many years had passed. Many years later, his son Isaac, interestingly enough, also became a shepherd. He Probably wanted to be a podiatrist, but ended up following in the family business. And uh, it says here in, in the book of Genesis chapter 26 and verse 32, then one day Isaac's servants came to him and told him the well that they have. Uh, oh, let me go back here. i got to find the actual verse so I don't tell you the wrong story. 
Genesis chapter 26 and uh, verse 17, my bad. Verse 17 says this, So Isaac moved away from where he had been encamped in that valley. Isaac then reopened the wells that his father had dug, which had been stopped up by their enemies. And he gave those wells the very same name that his father had given them. I love this, I love this little piece of Scripture. He went back to some, some truth. You know, often we can be enamored by new things and forget true things. Often we can be enamored by what's new and forget what's true. And we move on and we say, well, I tried that and it didn't work, so I'll just move on and, and, and forget it ever happened. For some, it's like, I, I tried. I tried being a leader and, and I was really bad at it. Nobody followed me. So I'll just move on and do something different. For some, it's like, you know, I've tried being more sincere and I'm just, frankly, not very sincere. <laughs> Let's move on. I've tried, I've tried being more more gracious, but honestly, my bitterness just came back, and so what's the point? Tried stepping out of my giftings. It was scary. didn't seem to have results. I'll move on. There's something so powerful to be said here. Isaac went back, redug the same well, and gave it the same name. For some here, you're like, I've tried to overcome my addiction, and here I am again. It's not worth it. There's no life for me there. I've tried overcoming my temptations, and now there's no life coming from that point. I've tried. I've tried making things right with my sibling, and it just didn't work, and so I'm done with that. I've tried living a certain way. I can't do it. I think there's something so powerful to be said to, that there's times we need to just go back to what was true, go back to what gave life, get humble again, and dig that same well back out, and don't try to polish it up and say, well, this, this is different than last time. No, it's the exact same. Here I am again needing to deal with this exact same thing but I'm not ashamed, humbled, but not humiliated. Now, for some, we just need to keep digging. We need to keep digging. I want to encourage some people here. You're chasing the next, the next uh, horizon. You're ch- chasing the next battle, the, the, the next, you know, well, if you will. I believe the Spirit of God would be saying to you, before you do that, just go back and redig some of those wells. Go back to, to what has always been true. Go back to the same old, the same uh, life that always came from there. Don't try to just run away from those things. Go back and solve them. Go back and just keep digging. I want to find myself in these stories as the wise builder and as the son who pleases the father. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.